0: Hi, this is Kara, and you're listening to Shitty Fathers Make Strong Women. Tonight, I'm going to be reading Laurel's story. Um, She was a sexual abuse survivor, and tonight I'd like to share her story. She writes, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home with my mom, my dad, an older sister, Debbie, who has Down syndrome, and a younger adopted brother. Dad started out in farming, then owned and ran restaurants for a living. We moved every year or two to places like Seattle, Washington, Louisiana, and Tennessee before returning to our home base in Medical Lake, Washington. My dad was a narcissist, so everything had to revolve around him. As a result, he was verbally and emotionally abusive we always had to walk on eggshells in his presence for fear of a blow-up, but invariably the blow-up came and he would unleash his anger on us. He hurled venomous triades against us, melting us in the heat of his rage, leaving us in an emotional puddle on the floor. In my teen years, I was working at my dad's restaurant and learned that he was having an affair with one of the female employees. Mom found out about it and tried to keep it appearances, but she She turned to me for support. In those years, I served as the emotional and physical caregiver for both my mom and Debbie. When I was 15 or 16 years old, a big farmer came into the restaurant, backed me up against the wall, and fondled me. I was scared, and I didn't know what to do. Some days later, he did it a second time. So I told my dad. Dad laughed hysterically and thought it was the funniest thing he'd heard in a long time. My sister Debbie was born with a heart defect, but she didn't have a heart surgery until she was 18. I was 16 at the time. After seeing what Debbie went through and caring for her, I decided to become a nurse. As I matured and saw dad for what he was, I began standing up to him verbally, but this made my mom and brother angry. They blamed me for rocking the boat and making things worse. After high school, I attended nursing school. Through my training, I became aware of the fact that I had been raised in an abused abused home. Also, my aunt challenged me. She said, When you look at your dad, you never look him in the eye. I knew from my training that this was a sign of abuse attributed to the shame I felt in his presence. Additionally, I had always suspected I had been sexually abused because of some recurring nightmares and incidents of body memory, phantom pain, and pressure in my mouth. But at the At the time, I thought, I don't remember who did it, so what's the difference? Initially, I never suspected my dad as a perpetrator of the sexual abuse. I did suspect dad's younger stepbrother, Steve, however. Once, when I was about six years old, Debbie and I were watching TV in the bedroom while my parents were playing cards in the kitchen. Steve came into the room and told us that his friends had had sex with his girlfriend, and he described the act in detail. Then he dropped his pants and revealed his erection. I ran out of the room scared and left him with my sister. So in retrospect, I thought that he was probably the one who had abused me. During high school, I met Mike. We dated for a couple of years, but Dad hated him and treated him horribly. Mike and I broke up a couple of years, broke up for a couple of years, but eventually got back together and married. Mike trained and became a police officer. We eventually had two children, a boy and a girl. When well, my sister Debbie was 35, her health began failing, and sometime later she passed away. In the years following Debbie's death, I was working through a lot of junk in my life. First, the list of offenses I had against my dad was long. I felt I couldn't move forward until I forgave him, but I didn't know how. I bet a year after Debbie died, I made the decision to forgive my dad. When we met, I told him I loved him and forgave him, but I recognized my mistake immediately because telling him this threw him into a rage he launched into another one of his tirades and I knew there was no hope of our relationship as we parted that day I yelled back at him you are doing to me what your mom did to you for he had been sorely abused by his mother also because my dad had always torn me down I felt like I had to be perfect I had an intense fear for not measuring up when I chanted When I changed careers and made new relationships with male authority figures, these and other circumstances began exposing some of my childhood trauma. My performance reviews at work during this time labeled me emotionally immature. In response, I bought and read books on emotional intelligence, took took assignments, and went to counseling. But I saw no progress. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I was a- unable to control myself emotionally in meetings, and when things heated up, I was deeply frustrated with my emotional state but couldn't do anything about it. Then things got worse. I began to experience extreme fear of the future, anxiety, and became deeply depressed. I thought I was losing my mind. My anxiety escalated to nightmares and I began having panic attacks. My husband and I began to have sexual difficulties at home. I didn't know why this was happening or what to do. After making the decision to seek help from a counselor, the thought occurred to me that my innocence could be restored. But this terrified me. I had suspected all along that I had been sexually abused but figured I was just too young to remember what had happened to me. I didn't know that I could have repressed it. A common reaction to trauma. In counseling... Through an exercise I went through with the counselor, I re- recalled what had, what I had repressed. For that particular session, he had me bring my best friend, Marsha, with me. The counselor asked Marsha to pray and write down what I saw and led me through the session. In that counseling session, so here's what I recall. I saw an image of myself standing on the floor floorboard of a truck facing what appeared to be a man's lap. I could see his genitals. I was young, maybe two. My hair was pulled back in short curly pigtails on top of my head. The next thing I saw was my dad's face. He only appeared to be very young, like in the photos I had seen of my parents wedding day. He was laughing and smiling. One of those big multicolored lollipops also came to mind and instantly I knew what had taken place in the truck. My dad had taught me to perform oral sex. As I told the counselor what was coming to mind, I was absolutely horrified. Waves of shame and disgust welled up inside of me. I lost all control of my emotions and began saying over and over, what kind of girl does that with her father? The counselor told me those feelings had been there my whole life but were buried along with the memory. But when I calmed down, Marcia showed me what she had written on the yellow pad again and again. It's not your fault. But the verbal and emotional abuse I had been subjected to all my life led me to believe if Dad is hurting me, I must have done something bad to deserve it. I went home that day, and all I could think about was killing myself. When Mike came home, he comforted me and assured me, we'll get through this together. But the next morning, I started second-guessing myself. What if I'm wrong? What if I just imagined this? But as a police officer... Mike recognized repression and supported me in what I recalled. Still, I wasn't functioning. I knew I needed more counseling, but sought a female counselor who specialized in intimacy issues. Other memories and flashbacks started coming. I knew they were real. I knew I couldn't spend time with my parents in this state of mind. So I met with my mom and and aunt and told them I needed some space and time to deal with some depression I was experiencing. I didn't want them to know anything else. I was still very ashamed and afraid of what my dad might do. Mom knew, my mom knew that I had been sexually abused and asked me, "What is? was it your dad? When I started to cry, she knew the answer and said, I don't doubt it. At first, I thought she would be there for me. She even went to counseling with me the next day, but she told the counselor, I finally feel like I'm being treated like a queen by her dad and I don't want it to stop. Then I realized her concern was for herself only and not for me. I felt so betrayed. She didn't want to confront dad or have me confront him. She didn't want to face the truth. Finally, after two weeks, I got to her. I'm sorry. Finally, after two weeks, it got to her. She said she was going to leave dad and she confronted him. He admitted to being a bad father but denied the sexual abuse. Through through his typical manip- manipulation he turned against me turned her against me dad played the victim and i became the culprit i was tired i just wanted to get better now i felt guilty about the pain i was putting him through but i had had enough mom wanted me to go see dad and make things right some extended family got involved and i felt pressure to seek re- reconciliation it was at this time that i remembered that at about the age of 4, I had started telling my dad no when he wanted sex and he resorted to raping me. I remembered too that he was sexually abusing Debbie. After sharing this with Mike, he decided to meet my dad at a truck stop to confront him. Mike was afraid of what he might do to Dad, so he took another officer with him who sat in the adjacent booth. When Mike accused Dad of these sexual things, Dad had the audacity to say, Why would I abuse Laura when I have a handicapped daughter who would have enjoyed it? Mike's meeting with Dad ended poorly, and we terminated the relationship. Soon thereafter, I received a letter from an attorney on behalf of my dad saying that he had passed a polygraph test that cleared him from any accusations of sexual abuse. My worst fear was that I was wrong, that I had remembered it falsely, but Mike, being a police officer, felt something was off. When Mike began digging around to determine the validity of the polygraph test, he was immediately shut down, indicating that his suspicions were correct. Over the next six years, Dad lied about me to the rest of the family, and I thought they believed him. I stopped defending myself early on, as it made things worse, and for several years, I thought I was going to lose all relationships, too. It was awful. Then my mom and dad became ill. Mom had Alzheimer's and dad had cancer. Mike and I were the only family in town, so we agreed to care for mom and dad. Mom was pretty gone, pretty far gone mentally. She really needed me. Dad died first. During the last week of his life, I was polite and professional with him, as any nurse would be. But he was afraid of me. He stayed awake all night, one night, for fear he might die. Then he got real mean and didn't want me around I knew his time was short and wondered how will I ever know for sure whether he was one who sexually abused me but later Mike told me he had heard my dad confess in the hospital that he had sexually abused me dad said this repeatedly yeah I did it who cares it was a long time ago I was devastated that my dad died without acknowledging the truth I never received any kind of apology from my parents nothing turned out as I had hoped even the funeral was awful, a sham in which dad was eulogized as I was scorned by some who believed his lies. However, soon after dad died, some family members commended me for taking care of my parents who they thought didn't deserve it. I was shocked to learn that some had believed me all along but didn't know what to do to help. So that's the end of Laurel's story. And I'm sure there's plenty of you that can relate to that. I know I can. Um, My abuse, like I said, started when I was 12. That's when my mom met my stepdad. That's what I remember happening. But as I was looking through my notes in my book um, from when I had my, my last meeting, I had... A repressed memory come up, and that's very common in people who are um, seeking help for abuse. You're going whenever you journal, you're going to remember some things, and it's going to be it's they're going to be bad. It's going to be horrible, and I have one that I wanted to share, and I've not even shared this with Rick. I've not shared this with anyone but the ladies in my seven on groups that I attended and then with um, the people who are listening to me on my podcast. This is, this is, this is me. This is Kara. When I was around nine or 10 years old, I grabbed my grandmother's poodle and humped it. My stepfather, this is separate. I, I don't know why I humped my grandmother's poodle when I was nine or 10 years old. Who the fuck does that? A nine or ten year old girl humping a dog. Something happened to me way before then, and I just so happened to live right down the road from my stepfather and his wife before he met my mom. Because you know that they met and then they cheated with their with their spouse on their spouses, and that's how they got married. So something makes me think that perhaps he had access to me even before they got together and that's just sick um also after my stepfather moved in he would let the dog lick his fingers after molesting me and make me watch i've always hated dogs licking me anywhere i never knew why what else did he do to me uh, my mother would talk and joke about dog semen at the dinner table. I mean, really? What kind of mother does that in front of her children? Her young children. I was probably 13, 14 maybe. And I had younger brothers and one older. That's just sick. I'm sorry. She's mentally ill. Um, And... But my family always laughed. It was just disgusting and they laughed. I'm sure I did too. What the fuck else was I going to do? I was with, raised by wolves. When I was 15, my parents owned a bar and my stepfather entered me into a wet t shirt contest. And my mother knew about it because she was there. She attended the wet t shirt contest. 15. That's child abuse. That's was back in the 80s. They didn't, they didn't care. Nobody cared. Do they even care now? I don't know. People are, people are, are actually stepping up and saying, it happened to me. And all these dirtbag fucking millionaires are fucking going to prison for it. They're all fucking nasty men. Men in general, obviously, are just nasty motherfuckers. They don't care it's just horrible. But anyway, back to Laurel's story that we were just reading. Um, I just, you know, there's, there's lots of possible signs of repressed memories that can happen. Um, you know, like I said, I hate poodles and dogs licking me and I didn't really know why I just I guess I blocked it out and then I had that memory I'm like oh my god that makes sense um anxiety attacks that are paralyzing I've been having a lot of those lately and it has a lot to do with life and I think a lot to do with I needed to do this again PTSD it's just I mean, your life is just fucked up whenever somebody abuses you. Uh, many victims suspect that they've been sexually abused but are reluctant to consider the possibility of repressed memories. If the possibility of repressed memories exists, why would you even want to remember them? That's kind of what I thought. Why? But I learned that I can't heal until... I uncover everything and figure out, okay, that's why I don't like dogs licking me. That's why I don't like poodles. It's not the poodles fault or the dog's fault. It's, it was my sick, abuser's fault. Um, According to your notes, why might it be important to get the help needed to recall what happened to you or, you know. I don't know. Do you need a therapist for that? A lot of people don't even have insurance. You probably, but I don't have insurance. I can't afford to go to a psychiatrist every week or every month. I just, I can't do it. So I just do my podcast. I talk about what happened to me. If I remember something, I write it down. Um, you know, what challenges or obstacles would a victim need to overcome in order to pursue healing from repressed memories? just what I said just listening to other people's stories and if you have something just write it down share it with somebody um share it with me I'll read it online anonymously if you'd like if not um I don't have to read it at all or I can say your name or you can just send it to me and just to share it you don't and I don't have to read it either way it's not your fault um, you can reach out to me at bonglitter that's b-o-n-g g-l-i-t-t-e-r at gmail.com send me an email send me your story if you want me to share it if you don't want me to share it either way it doesn't matter thank you for listening and just remember it's not your fault and fuck all those assholes that did that to you. Thanks.